So yeah, anyways, we're in this series called uh, Where's My Bailout? We're talking about how do we find hope in this time and, and when we're facing these difficult financial situations. In the first week, we kind of dived in and we talked about the fact that a lot of us are facing difficult situations in life right now. But the awesome thing about difficult situations is it causes us all to run to God. Whenever we face a difficult situation, the first place we typically turn to is not to our friends, not to Oprah, not to Dr. Phil, but we typically start to turn and run to God and say, God, I need your help. And that is one really, really great thing about difficult situations. And the thing about difficult situations is that God wants to intervene on our behalf. And so it's a good thing that some of us are facing some of these difficult financial times, that we're facing some opportunities that maybe we don't think are real opportunistic right now, but God wants to use those things to impact our lives. And last week we talked about this whole idea and we asked ourselves questions about what does Jesus say about our finances? And, and we asked questions about out of Matthew chapter six and, and let Jesus basically answer those things for us. And basically we found out that God is not necessarily interested in our money, he's interested in our heart. And the fact that our money uh, wherever our finances are, that's typically where our heart follows. The Bible tells us that, you know, our, our finances follow, our heart follows our finances, not the other way around. So if our finances are somewhere, that means that's where our heart is. And God is truly a God that's not interested in our stuff because he owns everything that's out there. And therefore he wants us just to love him unconditionally and completely with everything that we have. And so, um, it's a, it's a good thing for us to realize that God really, really wants our heart. And I believe that what we're gonna talk about today, if we can apply the principles over this week and over next week, and I'm just wanna tell you something right now, next week is gonna be out of this world. You do not wanna miss next week. If you want practical advice and practical application about how do I really manage my finances? How do I get out of debt? How do I apply those things and see myself experience freedom that I can only find um, by being debt-free and what are some principles behind that you do not want to miss next week. And I want to encourage everybody to be here because it will change your life if, if we can truly embrace that. But this week I, I was at our post office box and, and I love to go get the mail and it's exciting to me. I don't know. There's something about opening up mail that's just fun. And it doesn't matter what kind of mail it is. I'm going to open up all of it. I love junk mail. I love really good mail. Anybody else like junk mail? A couple of people, the rest of you are like, we just tossed that. But I got this, this piece of mail this week that was actually from Chase Credit Cards. And I was like, oh man, I love reading credit card offers because I just think they're, they're, they're funny. And this one was actually the Chase Freedom Card. And so I thought, that's pretty ironic, a Chase Freedom Card. I mean, this might be the best marketing I've ever seen in my life, but also the most honest marketing I've ever seen because they're telling you, man, if you have this card, you will have the freedom that you've always desired, man. This card is gonna bring you unbelievable amounts of freedom. And what they're offering is this idea that for every dollar you spend, they'll give you a point. And for every point, when you get a thousand points, they'll give you $10. And so, man, as you accumulate points, because everybody wants high point percentages, right? Everybody wants to have thousands upon thousands of points. You get to redeem that back for money. And I was like, how awesome is that? They're telling me that if I go spend lots of money, I'll be chasing freedom for the rest of my life because I will be in bondage up to my neck. And I thought, how many of us are chasing that kind of freedom? How many of us are going after that because we don't necessarily understand and recognize the principles that God teaches in his word of, of how we can truly have real freedom and what our lives are supposed to look like? 
And today I just, I just, uh, I just want to really hone in on, uh, on a principle that if we can grasp it, if we can understand it, if we can, if we can have this play out in our lives, it will radically transform how we operate and how we use our money. And so I, I need like two volunteers this morning uh, just to help me out. I, I know you'll come up, Sean, come on up. Uh, get Ivan, why don't you come on up here? Come on, if you guys can walk up the stairs here real quick, or you can jump up here if you feel that athletic. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I tried it. I busted my face. So um, these are two good-looking guys here. Come on, give it up for these guys. This is my man, Sean Walker, right here. And so uh, Sean is here, and this is Ivan Molina. I'm going to need you to stand right over here, Ivan. I'm going to get some distance here. Now, now they're going to they're gonna represent some people for me. And now, I, right now, I have, um, let's see, I have 10 $100 bills. Sean, do you know how much that adds up to? 500. No, <laughs> close. <laughs> close. You, you must have the Chase Freedom card, too. <laughs> so I have... I have 10 $100 bills, and they're pretty crisp. I mean, that's pretty crisp, right? No, no, don't take it yet. So, okay. I have 10 $100 bills. Now, most of us, you know, the goal in life is to get savings and to build some things up. And so what I, I want these guys to represent right now is, is Sean is going to represent us as individuals, and Ivan over here is going to represent a bank. And so you're a bank. You're a banker, Okay. You look like a banker today. You've got the striped shirt and some nice pants and stuff. So that's a good thing. You, you look like us. Yeah, you're an individual. And so, so Sean has been working hard. He just got married and he and his wife are saving up and they're working really hard. And, and before long, Sean accumulates 10 $100 bills. He has $1,000. Now I, I'm gonna need that back. My, <laughs> wife, my wife is gonna ask me, where is that money at the end of this? So you can't just put that in your pocket, okay? Um, and so Sean, being a, a, good, a good manager of money, he decides like, you know what? I've got $1,000. I'm going to give that to the bank. Now, you need to give that to Ivan. Okay. Okay, you can come back over here. You don't, you don't have to watch him. It's okay. R right? We, we know that if we put money in a bank, it's like a safe place, right? And, uh, and so Sean being married, newly married, you know, they go a couple months, but before long, because Sean is newly married, his wife comes home and says, you know what, we have got to get a new couch. I mean, every lady has come home and said, oh, I need a new china hutch, oh, I need a new couch. And Sean being the great husband that he is, is like, man, I better go get my money from the bank because my wife needs a new couch. And so he goes to the bank and when he gets to the bank, he says, where's my money? And, the, and Ivan responds, you know what, Sean, it's been a tough economical season here lately. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the banking industry has not necessarily done real well. We've had a couple of uh, little problems and uh, it's been really high stress here lately. And, you know, I needed a vacation. I needed some rest and relaxation. So I took a cruise and uh, my, my kids, you know, they got some jacked up teeth. And so I had to get them braces. And, you know, I, my, my wife's transmission went out, so I had to pay for that. And so I don't have any of your money. I spend it all. What do you think Sean's going to do in that moment? Oh, he's going to offer him a cough drop. So, <laughs> Sean's going to, we didn't plan any of this out. Sean's going to flex a little bit. And, and if you live in South Florida, we have ways of handling this, right? You know, somebody, somebody jacks our money. We have ways of handling that. 
Now let's just switch that scenario a little bit. Let's say Sean is God and Ivan is us. God has entrusted us with a lot of assets. And we've taken those assets and we've done whatever we wanted to do with them and we spent them frivolously and God's come to us and said, hey, I I need you to give to this or I need you to help with that. And we go, well, I need to take a vacation or I needed to fix a car or I needed to get my kids braces or I needed to eat out an extra couple times this month. And what happens is, is that we've been irresponsible with the very thing that God has given and entrusted us with. Can I have that money back now? Let me count it all to make sure it's here. Okay, you guys are free. You guys can go back. Why don't you give him a hand? I just... <laughs> you know, God has given us things and entrusted us to take proper care of it. And, uh, and the big principle I want us to learn here today is this, is that we are to be good stewards. God has called us to be good stewards. And I know we don't use the word steward very often anymore. In fact, it's, it's an old English term that, that was used. They, it was actually meant to be somebody who takes care of an estate of another and takes care of all their things. That's actually what the definition of a steward is. Today, what we would call them is we would call them an asset manager. They're somebody who has the assets of another individual and their role for them is to take care of those things. And so instead of being a steward today, we would call that person a manager. And that's exactly what God wants us to be is God wants us to be a manager of the things that he's given us. And, and that's why David, who was the king of Israel, that's why he said this in 1 Chronicles uh, 29, 11. He said, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. Wealth and honor are from you alone, for you rule over everything. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us. What David was saying here is he says, listen, I'm the king of Israel, but I'm not the ruler of everything. I'm the king, I, I have all this stuff in, in my possession, but it is not really mine. It's not my stuff. God, it's yours, and, and man, I'm gonna give away your stuff, God, not mine. And it's so important for us to understand because this is really about a mindset that we have to take on. It's about a way of thinking. It's about changing our thinking from everything is mine to, you know what, I'm a manager of everything that is God's. And, and most of us, you know, God is trying to say, I'm going to bless you, man. I want to take care of you. I want to do those things. And what David is saying is, listen, God, you can do all that, but listen, it's yours anyways. It's all yours. And this is not a new concept to us. Most of us understand this concept because how many of you guys as a kid had your own room? Anybody out there? Most of us had our own rooms growing up. And so what would happen is we'd have our room and, and we'd put posters on our wall because it was our wall, right? And so we'd put signs on our door. Maybe it would be like, keep out of my room because it's my room. And then your little sister would come in and you'd call out your mom, mom, she's in my room. Make her get out of my room, right? Isn't that what we all did? Because it was our room. But then when Christmas time came around and your grandparents came over, what happened? Get out of your room. 
You're going to go stay with your sister. Why? Because you got to manage that room, but it wasn't really yours. You were, just, you were just there to take care of it. That's why your mom would say, you better clean up your room. Well, why do I need to clean up your, my room if it's mine? Because you're just a steward of that room. You're just the manager of that room. It's not really ours. And so we understand the concept. If you own a home, you realize this every year when the county comes to you and says, you know what? It's time for you to pay your tax bill. You know what? If you don't pay your tax bill, you'll find out real soon and real quickly who owns that home and it ain't you. Because we have got to take care of that stuff because the reality is, is we are just a manager of that property. And it's so important for us to recognize that that is the case and that we are not to be going out there and taking all that stuff, but we are out there to make sure that God is moving inside of us and that this is the principle that he's trying to get to us is that, man, God wants us to be a giver just like him. God wants us to, to not just take ownership of things because, because here's the thing, because everything is God's and he's just equipped us to be the manager of it. And, he's, and he wants us to understand that we are a manager, not so that we can just consume, not so that we can just take, but so that we can take on the same nature that he has. And when we start to realize this and when we start to recognize this, we start to understand that, you know, our, two, our 401k that just turned into a 201k, we don't have to freak out about that because it's all God's anyways. It's not mine, so I don't have to worry about that thing. I can say, you know what, God? Man, this is not mine. It's yours. You're gonna take care of it. And some of you are, are thinking right now, oh man, if everything's God, then I better give everything away because that's what he's calling me to. And that isn't what God is saying, man. That would be totally and completely irresponsible. Well, what is God is saying is that saying, man, you can have stuff. David was the king of Israel. That dude lived in a freaking palace. He had nice stuff, but he also recognized that while he had nice stuff and while he was blessed, that it wasn't his just to have, that he was a manager of those things. And because we are created in God's image and because we are created in his likeness, the thing that he wants us to become is more and more like him. And if we understand the nature of God, then we understand that God is a giver because in John three sixteen it says that for God so loved the world that he what? He took, he took his only son and kept him for himself so that all of us would die and go to hell. That, uh, is that in your Bible? No, it says he gave. God gave his one and only son because this is the thing, love always motivates us to give. Love always motivates us to give. And if you guys have kids, do you wanna keep things from your kids or do you wanna give things to them? You wanna give things to them, why? Because you're motivated, motivated by love to give things to them because you want to see the best things happen in our lives. And so many people think, oh man, all the church wants is, is my money. You know, they're always talking about giving. The reason we're always talking about giving and it's not just money, it's about your time, your talent, your treasure. It's about all those things is because God first gave. And if we're trying to help you become more and more like Jesus, your life is gonna look more and more like a giver. And if you don't like that, then you don't like the very nature of God because the reason most of us are drawn into God is because God gives us something. What does he give us? He gives us eternal life. He gives us hope. He gives us freedom. He gives us um, all these things. We love the benefits, but when he asks us to do something back, we, we shut her off. But God is really, he's not wanting something from us. He's wanting something for us. He's wanting us to become more and more like him. He's trying to mold us into his image. And if we would truly grasp that he wants us to understand and know that it would change our lives forever. 
And I'll never forget the first time that I truly, truly understood God's love. And I, I really, really grasped it because here's the thing. I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to relate to a parent and their kid. But I remember uh, sitting with my wife, who I love more than anything in this world. Man, there is nothing that I would not do for my wife. My wife is my best friend. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. She has the best attitude. She looks good. She's great at conversation. She has all this stuff going on. And man, I love her with every single thing that I have. And I remember sitting with her on our couch one evening and, and we're just kind of snuggling there. And I'm a snuggler. I know it's kind of weird, but I'll admit it. I'll snuggle. And, um, and I was sitting there with her and, and all of a sudden I had this feeling like, man, I love my wife so much. And I started thinking about the fact that God gave so much. And, and, it, and if, if God asked me to give my wife for somebody else, I was thinking about how much I love her and I just thought that that person is totally screwed because I would never give up my wife <laughs> for another person. But yet the very nature of God is that he gave. He's trying to mold us and shape us because he gave his son. There's these two guys that were out in the woods and they were hunting and uh, they were up in a tree stand and, and they were in a, a really wooded area and, and one of the guys as he was sitting there, a snake crawled up and bit him on the butt. And uh, he started freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, a snake just bit me. And the guy next to him is like, oh my gosh. He's like, you better go run and get help. And so the guy who wasn't bit takes off and, and he runs about two miles and finally gets to a place where cell phone services is, is active. And he, and he calls 911 and he says, listen, this is what happened. They connect him to a doctor. And then doctor's like, listen, I, you can save your friend's life because there's no way in the world we're gonna get an ambulance out there in time with some anti-venom. This is what I need you to do. I need you to go back to where he is and I need you to cut his butt and suck the poison out of where the snake bit it. And so his friend gets off the phone and he rushes back to the deer stand and he climbs up and his, his friend that's bitten is, is starting to go into shock and he's, he's saying, man, what are the doctors saying? His friend just looks at him and says, bro, you ain't gonna make it. <laughs> he was not more like Jesus. <laughs> but God is trying to change us and trying to mold us to be more and more like him. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever been to a restaurant where you've gotten less than ideal service? You know, oh yeah, we've all been there, right? Oh man, it's, that's the worst. And, and what happens at that point when you have less than ideal service? What kind of tip do you leave? A crappy one, right? I know you guys don't wanna say it because it's church, but listen, God knows. So we leave a crappy tip, right? I mean, that's the reality. You know, and, and, but if somebody gives us de decent service, what do we do? We leave them like a 20% tip, right? We're like, man, they did a good job. I like that, you know? Man, I wanna, I wanna bless them. And this is the thing. God says, man, you know what? I don't require 20%. I ask for a 10% tip. And I didn't just give decent service. I gave the best service ever. I gave my son, my one and only son, so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And because God gave his best, we should give our best. And how do we give to our best man? We, we trust him first with everything. It's not just our money, it's our time, it's our treasure, it's our talent, it's all aspects of life. Because this is the thing, this is a principal thing, it's not just a financial thing, you can apply this in any aspect of your life. God said, man, I gave my best, so you need to give your best in everything. And not just your best, but your first. 
You need to trust me with the first part. And man, it's not just the amount, it's, it's the first aspect. And because God gave his first, and this, this is the thing that blows my mind. Every time I read scripture, I can't understand and I can't comprehend this point. And, and even though I know it to be true, it just, it just racks with me that God gave his best before he ever knew that we would respond to it. If that doesn't mess you up, I don't know what does because God, is, God, before he knew that we would ever say yes to his gift, he gave anyways. And he said, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my best anyways. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna lay it all out there. I heard a pastor recently say that in 35 years of ministry, he has never met a married couple that divorced that tithed. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And he went on to explain. He said, I've never met a married couple that tithe that divorce because when you learn how to tithe, you learn how to give. You learn how to die to yourself. You learn that it's about other people, that it's about doing what's best for them. And those people end up being the best workers. They end up being, having, getting promoted in their jobs. They end up having more fulfilling relationships because they realize that the relationships are not about them, but it's about other people. And if we're going to make ourselves more and more like God, if we're going to become more like him, then we have got to become givers. Because here's what giving does in our life. Giving brings us joy. Giving brings us joy in life. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, For you must each decide in your heart to give, and don't give reluctantly, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We've got to decide in our hearts, man. It starts with what's happening inside of us because joy is not an external thing. Happiness is based on the happenings around you. But joy is something that's internal that doesn't matter the circumstances that are happening in your life. There's something that's there that says, you know what? I'm going to get through it anyways. Man, God's on my side. I've got this. God's got my back. And it doesn't matter what is happening around me because that thing that's happening internally overwhelms the external. And I want you guys in this verse to circle the word, um, circle the word cheerfully. And that word right there is, is a Greek word called hilarious. It's where we get our word hilarious. It's the only time in the Bible that that word is used. And what God is saying is what he's referring to here is when we give, it brings joy in our life. It brings this undeniable thing that we cannot control that sets uh, up in our hearts and in our lives and that takes over. And when we give, it just changes everything. That's why we hear this statement all the time. It's better to give than to receive. Why is that the case? Because it brings joy in our lives. It's better to give than to receive. Because when we receive, it might make us happy for a moment, but it isn't a lasting thing. And I, I see this happen in my life periodically. I, I, know, I don't know about you guys, but when my car breaks down and I have a flat tire, it ticks me off. Anybody else get upset when they have a flat tire? They walk out and they got a flat tire, man. That is like the worst day ever. But I'll see a lady broke down on the side of the road and I'll stop and I'll change her tire and I'll have more joy than I've ever seen in my life because I'm helping and I'm giving to somebody else. And I don't understand why that's happening because I'm a pretty boy and I don't like to get dirty. And yet I'm all muddy and nasty and I just got all this junk on me, but there's so much joy in my life. And I'm like, who is this? And it's because I'm giving in my life. And you'll notice that when you give in life, man, it just changes everything. Proverbs 11:25 says this, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The generous will prosper and those who refresh other people will be refreshed themselves. I don't know about you guys, but when I think about a person like Mother Teresa, I don't ever think about like somebody who is probably depressed in their life. Does anybody think, did anybody see any pictures of Mother Teresa where she was just like completely depressed? I've never seen that. The reason I don't think Mother, 
Teresa was ever depressed is because she lived life not for herself but for others. She never was, was in her room just going like, man, I can't deal with this. I don't know how this is gonna work out, man. All the time she, she was saying, man, I can do it. In fact, there was this quote by her and she says, like Jesus, we belong to the world living not for ourselves but for others. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, Mother Teresa knew something that, that we need to learn, that there is no greater fulfillment in our lives than giving our lives to something that is bigger than ourselves. There's no greater fulfillment than giving ourselves to something that is gonna make a difference, not just in the, the lives of those around us, but the, those around the world and impacting them for future generations. And if you wanna really understand an equation for happiness in your life, for, for this complete joy-filled life, the more helpful you are, the more happy you will be. The more you give in life, the more fulfilled you will ever be. And most of you are wondering why you can't find fulfillment in life is because you're consuming all to yourself. It's why we find ourselves in this place where we're saying, God, bail me out because it was all about me, myself, and I. And we missed out on the very principle of what God wants us to be, and that's a giver, because he realizes that all that stuff never brought the joy that you thought it would. It was momentary. It felt good for a little while, but you don't even know where half that junk is anymore. Is collecting dust in the garage. And God is saying, man, if you would have recognized the principle behind what I want you to grab, if you would have recognized the principle, then you wouldn't have been striving for all that stuff. You would have been striving to give and to make a difference in other people's lives because it would have brought significance to you. In Philippians 2, 16 through 18, Paul says this, I can brag on the day of Christ that my effort was not wasted and that my work produced results. My life is being poured out as part of the sacrifice and service I'll offer to God. Yet I am filled with joy and I share that joy with all of you. For this same reason, you should also be filled with joy and share that joy. Man, we should all be filled with joy and share our joy. I'm So many times I have people come up to me and say, you know what, man, I started coming to your church and Man, there's just something about the people there that's kind of weird. Like everybody seems to be happy and they, they like like me and they want to give me high fives and, and help me. And, and like, I don't even understand that. You want to know why they have that attitude? Because they've learned that it's better to give than to receive. They've realized that their life is not to just come to a church service and consume, but they're, they're there to be used by God to make an impact in other people's lives. And, 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 and that isn't something that just happens naturally. It's a, it's a radical decision in our thinking to say, you know what, I want to do something different. I want to change an attitude within me that it's not about what I can get, but it's about what I can give. Because here's the thing, a life that, that we got to understand that God wants to do in our lives. I love how Winston Churchill says this. He says, he said, uh, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And most of us have worked so hard at trying to make a living that we've missed out on living an extraordinary life that's full of joy. We're, we're striving for so much stuff. We have all this pressure. We've got all this, this debt mounted up. We've got all these external pressures and stress on us because we are living for ourselves rather than building a life about saying, what can we give? How can we make a difference? Because that giving is what brings significance to our life. And here's the thing, giving doesn't just bring us joy. But, but the cool thing about giving is it provides protection in our lives. It's a principle that, that God has put in place in Malachi 3, 10 through 12. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will, be, there, there will not be room enough to receive it. 
And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful people, says the Lord. In verse 11, I want you to circle, I will rebuke the devourer. That's God speaking right there. And I want you to understand what that word uh, devour or what that word rebuke means because it, in the, it's a Hebrew word and it means to stand in opposition to, to convict or to pronounce a sentencing. And what, what God is saying there is, man, I want to stand in opposition to something. He's not talking about he's standing in opposition to your boss or to your ex-wife or, or to the problem that, that maybe you've caused in your life. But what he's talking about there is, is the same thing that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10. It says, the thief, the evil one, that's the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's saying, man, I want to stand in opposition to the evil one who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy aspects and things in your life. And he says, man, I want to stand and oppose him. I want to stand in the gap between you and him. And I want to make sure that that does not happen. And he goes on to say in that, in that John 10, 10 verse, he says, but I have come to bring life and bring it more abundantly. And this means that, that God is telling us, man, that, that being a giver is not just a financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. God, when we trust God, it just doesn't, prevent the devourer from coming to do physical things, it also means spiritual things as well. It's not just a physical thing, give and receive, because we've all heard that. You know, we've all seen the, the principle of you give what you get. You know, if you give, you get. But it's beyond that. It's, it's God is saying, man, there's some spiritual things that are happening that when you trust me, I stand in opposition to things that are coming against you in all different aspects of life. And it's so critical that we understand that giving is not just a financial thing, but it's, it's a relational thing. It's a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And that if we can grab hold of that, that God wants to do something incredible in our lives. That he wants to provide protection for us. But most of us miss out because we don't, we don't want to take the step of faith and trust. We think, oh man, it's, you know, it costs too much. It's too much to step out in faith and do that. Well, Shayla and I have learned that uh, that, that isn't necessarily the case. And we learned that through uh, our, first, our first house that we bought. We decided that we were tired of sleeping on a crappy mattress. Um, you know, we, we've been, we had been married for uh, almost six years before we bought our first home. And... Um, We'd been sleeping on like the hand-me-down mattresses. Anybody ever experienced the hand-me-down mattress? It has like the lumps and all those things in it. And it's got the weird stains. You're like, where did that come from? I must have peed there as a kid or something, you know? And, uh, and so we had like the hand-me-down mattress from like when I was a kid. And, um, we're, you know, it had all these weird things in it. We're like, man, it's time that we go and we get a mattress. I mean, we're going to spend a significant portion of our life here on this mattress. We better, we better get one. And so we went to the mattress store and we started laying on mattresses and we're, we'd find a mattress that we'd like and we'd, then we'd look at the price and be like we don't really like this one very much because if you've ever been mattress shopping it will cost you a small fortune um, but as we started thinking about it we started thinking man I'm going to spend a third of my life on this mattress a third of my life that's a long time if you're going to live 60 years you're going to spend 20 years of your life sleeping and so we said, you know what, man, we're going to invest in a new mattress. We're going to buy the best mattress we can find. I don't care. We're going to save up. We're going to pay cash for it, man. We're going to make sure. And I'll tell you what, man, we bought a new mattress and we have never slept the way that we sleep today. Because we made a decision, man, we're going to invest in something. And you know what, it protects us. It gives us a great night's sleep, which allows us to go out and do the things that God has called us to do daily. 
But let's flip that a little bit. Let's, let's apply that same logic to this area of our life. If we're going to spend the next 70 to 90 years here on earth, why not enjoy them? Why not enjoy them, you know, enjoying a third of our life just like we are having a comfortable mattress. The best way to do that is to have God standing in the gap for us, protecting us. Because I'm sure there's a lot of you that have not really been enjoying life lately. There's been some twists, there's been some turns, there's been some ups, there's been some downs because you've been trying to run the show. And it hasn't worked out real well. And you find yourself hoping that there's some sort of bailout for you in your life. And you can go and you can try to file for bankruptcy or you can hope that the government's going to come through in some way. But the reality is, is that God has not called us to look for that. He's called us to be a good steward of what he's given us. And to trust him in those areas And because we trust in him, he stands in opposition to the devourer who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy every single aspect of our lives. And I think it's so critical that as we as individuals, that we as a church, man, that we get these areas of life right. That we figure out how to, how to get ourselves out of debt. That we figure out how to, how to manage a budget. That we figure out how to make sure that we're putting God first, not just in our finances, but in every aspect of our life, in our time, in our job, in our family. That we are leading people closer to Him. It's why we do things like the financial seminar. It's why we do things like give away 11% of our income because we believe that we have got to lead the way and we've got to help teach you those principles. Because here's the thing, God offers a challenge in this scripture in Malachi 3.10. He challenges us, he says, test me in this. It's the only time in scripture that God ever lays down the gauntlet and says, bring it on. He throws down right here and he says, try me. Try me and see what will happen. God's saying, test the genuineness of what I'm saying here. And so, I believe and trust God with this area of my life. Our church believes God and trusts with this area of life. And so, I'm going to throw out a challenge to you guys. If you call Coastal Community Church your your home and this is your church, I'm going to challenge you in this. If you're a guest here, listen... You can just enjoy the service, take the principle, apply it to your life. Um, But if you call this church your home, I want you to test God in this. For the next 90 days, trust him for the first time maybe ever. Or maybe trust him for the first time in a long time. And say, you know what, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to put you first. And wait and watch and see how God does not bring protection in your life. Watch and see how he doesn't start to elevate your spiritual life. Watch and see that he doesn't start to elevate some things in your finances. Maybe you, you have some things happening. And here's the deal. I'll even throw out the challenge. Like if you test him for the next 90 days and you're faithful in it. And you, at the end of that 90 days, you say, this is a bunch of crap. We'll give you all your money back. We'll even give it to you with interest. Same as your bank would do. Because that's how much I know God wants to do something in your life. But if you don't ever trust him, he's never going to protect you. Some of you are like, God, why aren't you bailing me out? Because you haven't trusted him at all. 
And I know the last two weeks I'm throwing it down, but God threw it all down for us on the cross. It's time for us to recognize that God doesn't want something for us, from us, but he wants something for us. And he wants to bring joy in our life. He wants to bring protection in our life. But it comes with us trusting him, not just for our eternity, but with our life. Our money says, in God we trust. If you look on every single bill, it says, in God we trust. Let's prove that. Let's prove that to him today. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. And I thank you so much that that you challenge all of us to trust you fully and completely. I just pray that today, God, that this isn't some some plea for money because you don't need anything from us. That's the reality. But you truly do want something for us. And I know that you want us to completely and fully trust you. God, I pray that as you're speaking to people right now, God, that they would take up the challenge that you've given them. It's not my challenge, it's your challenge. You're the one who said, test me. God, and as they do, that just like it says, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing on them that they have no idea how to even handle it. And not just pour out a blessing, but you said you'll protect them from their crops being destroyed and from their homes being ravaged. And so many of them are experiencing that today. They feel like, man, everything that they've planted has been ruined. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for your grace and mercy that always is freely given to us in Jesus' name.